Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 269. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and always educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And first-time listeners, we're glad you found us. We hope you enjoy the show and become a permanent listener. My name is Stephen Fennec, and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, why we're hoarding our old devices instead of recycling. Google unveils the Pixel 2 smartphone, and Australians want security, but we're not installing security cameras. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at Apple's iPhone 8 and the Apple Watch Series 3. Plus, we're going to check out the Cosmo Intelligent Little Robot Companion. And we're going to wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A huge show planned for you, so let's jump straight in. Okay, everyone listening, admit it right now. How many old devices do you have rattling around in your drawers? Now, if you answered a few, you're not alone. On average, the Australian household has 17 electronic devices, and we're replacing them so quickly. In the, in, in the most common device, obviously, is the smartphone, but we are going through other products like televisions and other, other set-top boxes and, and devices like that. And what we're doing is we're hanging on to them. For many, for many people, they feel uh, and a sense of attachment to these products. They, they think that they may even be useful. Uh, half, half of the respondents of this survey are run by Tech Collect, which is uh, an industry-run, an industry-funded e-waste recycling service. Almost half—that's 43%—said they're holding on to their old devices in case they need them again. Guess what? You're not going to need them again. That's the reason why you bought a new product. You're not going to go back to the old one. Trust me on this. But the, the, other, the other alarming thing is that only one-third of, of Australians are actually taking the trouble to recycle their e-waste. There are plenty of designated drop-off sites around the country, Tech Collect being one of them. The reason for these places is because there, there are some materials that are actually, if they ended up in landfill, would be no good for the environment. So when you drop them off at these sites... They actually take them apart. They take out the materials that can be recycled. They take out the material that needs to be disposed of responsibly so it's not going to harm the environment. So it is worth taking the trouble to to recycle these devices properly. The research also found that one in five people, that's uh, 22% of us, admitted to being hoarders of old electronics. I think there's this, there's this little bit of a myth out there that, all these old devices, these retro products that are years and years old, are one day going to become valuable. Well, that that is the case in rare on a rare occasion. 
So if you've got maybe a, a rare Nokia phone that was, that was similar to the phone that was like uh, in the movie The Matrix, for example, that might be worth a few bucks if it's working, if it's in good order. The original iPod, so the old iPods are also worth a bit of money. The original Game Boy's in good condition as well. But these are rare cases where the products were so beloved, so popular, that they are worth a little bit of money. And, and by a little bit, I mean just a few hundred bucks. It's not like you're going to pay your house off with these things. So it is worth taking a good look at what you got in the, in your back of the drawer. Like an eight-year-old Motorola phone is not really going to do you much good. It's best res- re- getting rid of it responsibly. But the, here's the thing. A, lo- a lot of Australians, though, they don't mind throwing out these devices. So the people who don't want to hang on to them and aren't hoarding them, sometimes just chuck them in the bin. And unfortunately, these end up in a landfill and can, can, do some, can be pretty hazardous to the environment. Some people even wait. They think they're doing the right thing by waiting for the council collection. You know, they have that The every every few months they have this big collection where you put your old sofas out the front. A lot of people are thinking, oh, okay, I'll put my old printer, I'll put my old computer, I'll put my old TV out there. Uh, and most of the time the councils aren't geared up to recycle them responsibly. They end up just throwing them in landfill and, you know, we're back to, we're back to that same old problem. So it is worth taking the time to find out where your nearest drop-off point is. I have put a link in our story on Tech Guide for you to, dis- to discover the nearest, the nearest tech collect uh, sites. There are a few of those around the country. But I think we just kind of got to get in this mindset where we do have to recycle our stuff responsibly. Like we already recycle. Like every, every council has a special bin for your, your cardboard boxes and your plastic bottles, and it's a reflex action. We are recycling those on a weekly basis. I think we need, need to get in the mindset where we do need to apply that same thought process when it comes to disposing of our electronic waste. And because we're upgrading so quickly, and there, there is a lot more e-waste that, that we're generating. So we recycle them responsibly, then we're all winners. If you want to read more about that story and you see some amazing stats as well, and also to find those important drop-off points for your old devices, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Well, late last week, Google has unveiled their latest smartphone. It's the Pixel 2. Now, we remember last year's Pixel, of course. That was a a pretty impressive product. Well, they've followed that up with a new device, an improvement on the old. The Pixel 2 is available in two sizes. It's the 5-inch, which is the Pixel 2, and the Pixel XL 2 has a 6-inch screen. And there's a little bit of a difference in the design. The 5-inch looks like your typical... Android device looks a lot like last year's Pixel. But moving up to the 6-inch screen, and you'll see that Google has followed the trend that we're seeing in the market with smartphones where almost the entire front face of the device is now dedicated to the display. Uh, And in terms of the resolution, the 5-inch Pixel has a full HD resolution. That's 1920 by 1080 uh, with a 16 by 9 aspect ratio, so like your regular smartphone. But moving up to the Pixel 2 XL, and that that would be my pick if uh, once I get my hands on this product. It has a quad HD resolution of 2880 by 1440 and a slightly narrower 18 by 9 aspect ratio. So it's in the same ballpark as the Galaxy S8, the uh, Apple's iPhone, upcoming iPhone 10. LG's V30, LG's G6. It looks a lot like the uh, LG G6 as well. So it is in that territory where 
you're taking up most of the front of the device with the display with a narrower aspect ratio. In this case, the 18 by 9 fits that fits that description. So the look of the phone is joining the growing trend. But other details uh, of about the phone, uh, the Pixel 2 has a 12.2 megapixel rear camera, 8 megapixel front camera. Now, the Pixel was always a great camera. In fact, last year's Pixel was voted the world's best camera by DxOMark. They're this body that judges the quality of smartphone cameras. And guess what? They've just voted the Pixel 2 as the best camera in the world. So you're getting the world's best camera, according to DxOMark. Uh, We're going to be talking about the iPhone 8 a little bit later in the show, and I think if that isn't one of the best cameras in the world, then uh, I'll give up. But the Pixel 2, which I haven't seen yet, so I I can't really comment on the quality of the Pixel 2, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. But uh, according to DxOMark, it is uh, is quite the camera. It can also uh, capture what they call motion photos, a little bit like the live photos you can capture on an iPhone. Uh, it also is powered by computational photography and machine learning. So not only can it, uh, that, that helps take a nice photo, but it also helps with the optical and electronic stabilization when shooting video as well. There's also uh, augmented reality stickers on board, and you can also play around with virtual emojis and various digital characters. So you're kind of, we're kind of seeing a theme here. Augmented reality, obviously a massive play for Apple with iOS 11 and the iPhone 8. Uh, also, Google Pixel getting into into the act as well with augmented reality. I think it's going to be one of those things that's going to be one of those features that uh, is going to be very popular. And the number of apps that are being produced to to exploit that ability with AR is going to be remarkable. There's already a few on the iPhone. But back to the Pixel 2, the other smart features uh, include Google Lens. Now, this is it uses computer vision to tell you about what is around you. So imagine looking through your camera at various landmarks, uh, at a book in a store, an album, or a piece of art, and you aim your camera and uh, Google Assistant Uh, well, Google Lens, I should say, fires up and gives you the relevant information based on what you're looking at. So it uses that computer vision and intelligence to muster that information right there. So while you're looking at that object, you're getting the information as well. Google Assistant is, of course, right there by your side. And the way you summon Google Assistant with the Pixel 2 is with a feature called the Active Edge. So you just give the device a little squeeze, which leads us to believe, and we're pretty sure this is true, that HTC actually built the Google Pixel 2. There was quite a large investment from Google uh, about a month ago, several billion dollars into HTC, and that leads us to believe that they kind of bought HTC's ability to build smartphones, including the Pixel 2. You can cast your mind back a couple of months ago, the HTC U11 introduced a feature called Edge Sense, where when you press the uh, squeeze the sides of the phone, you can activate various features, whether it's activating the camera, taking a selfie, uh, activating certain apps, and it looks like the Google Pixel has helped itself to that feature as well. On the performance side, the Pixel 2 is powered by the Qualcomm Snapdragon 835 processor. It's got 4 gig of RAM and your choice of either 64 gig or 128 gig of internal storage. No micro SD card slot. Uh, Google naturally wants you to store everything in the cloud, so hence the reason why they've not given you the option of a micro SD card slot to expand your memory. You can expand your memory as long as it's in the cloud. It's also running the latest operating system too, Android 8, uh, and that's called Oreo. 
named after the famous biscuits. And it is following in that uh, in that alphabetical order. We did have Nougat before Oreo. So Android 8, uh, the Google Pixel XL uh, and Pixel 2 and Pixel XL 2, one of the first devices to run that brand new operating system. Now, one thing you won't find on the Pixel XL 2 and the Pixel 2 is a headphone jack. They have gone down the same path as Apple and removed this feature. Uh, and now if you want to connect a headphone headphones to the Pixel 2, Pixel XL 2, you need to have Bluetooth. So uh, everyone kind of laughed a little bit at Apple when they did that. Uh, Apple called that move brave. I think uh, a lot of people have recalled that. And I don't think Apple have looked back. The 7 and now the iPhone 8 doesn't have a headphone jack. The iPhone 10 won't have it either. And now Google has uh, has gone down the same path with the Pixel 2 and removed the 3.5mm headphone jack as well. Now, on the pricing side, let's talk price here. And the Google Pixel 2 is expensive. It is in the same ballpark as the iPhone. The Pixel 2, I think, is the exact price as the iPhone 8, except that the iPhone 8 offers 64 gig and 256 gig. With the Pixel 2, you're getting 64, 128, and the prices here are $1,079 and $1,229. But moving up to the Pixel 2 XL, you're talking $1,399 for the 64 gig and $1,549 for the 128 gig. Now, those prices right there are more expensive than the iPhone 8 Plus. So uh, it's uh, if they, they're competing at that top level, and side by side, I don't know who's going to win that battle. I suppose if you're a dedicated Android user, you do also have the choice, of course, of using the Samsung Galaxy S8, the Galaxy Note 8, as well as other excellent phones like the LG G6, the LG V30, uh, uh, several other Android devices. So Google, I think, is uh, putting some big tickets on itself here with these prices. How it will go, we're not sure. I think the pre-orders start in late October and it's going to be offered through JB Hi-Fi as well as through Telstra stores as well. So that's the Google Pixel 2. If you want to find out more, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Security is a really important thing for for everybody, not just here in Australia, but around the world. Security is uh, one of those things where... We crave it. We want it. We need it. Security, not only when we go about our daily lives, when we travel, when we're working, but also at home. Home security uh, is a big thing, a big factor, and uh, a lot of a lot of people want to protect themselves at home. They, they don't want they don't want people breaking into their homes. They want to protect their property. And there were some interesting, uh, some some alarming insights from uh, a research company as well as from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Uh, this uh, the study by YouGov was commissioned actually by Nest, who recently released uh, outdoor cameras and indoor camera uh, smart smoke alarm as well. But the the research is really interesting. It shows that sixty four percent of Australians are concerned about their home, the security of their homes. Yet only one in five have no home security other than a door lock. So we're, we're worried about security, but we're not doing much to heighten the security, to increase the security of our homes. One in four of the research participants, that's 23%, says their home is not secure and would be vulnerable to a burglar. Now, I didn't know this, but October is apparently the most prolific month for home burglaries. 
Uh, this is according to the research in the Australian Bureau of Statistics. And the research has found that one in three Australians, that's a third, have been the victim of a break-in. The study also found that 56% have also experienced a crime on their property. And by that, I mean if they haven't been broken into, the others have experienced crime like theft from a garage or a shed, theft of a parcel delivery or, or maybe a bike from their property, along with vandalism. And, and this is despite the fact that a full-time worker leaves their house unattended for up to 50 hours a week, nearly 40% of Australians still hide a key outside their home. So we're, our, our attitudes to security are all over the place. And yet there's a very small percentage of, of Australians who are installing security cameras. Uh, 37% have admitted to leaving doors and windows unlocked when they're not home. We just It's just a free kick for burglars around here if you do that kind of thing. And as I mentioned, October is the busiest month for burglars. Don't ask me why. The stats suggest that. Freestanding homes are the biggest targets, 55%, followed by apartments at 32%. And if you live in a semi, you've got a 10% chance of being burgled as well. But having visible outdoor security cameras is definitely a deterrent. It'll deter these opportunistic thieves. And you think about it, a burglary is an opportunistic crime. No one's home. They can't hear any, if anyone's home. No cars in the driveway. They don't see any kind of camera. They don't see any kind of stickers saying that this is a, there's an alarm in here or anything like that. So they're going to have a go. I, I have heard, too, that if a burglar hears a dog barking, even a dog can save you from a burglary because they don't want any of these, these unknown risks. If they're hearing a dog barking in your home or in your backyard, they're moving on to the next place. But the same effect, you can have the same effect if you have visible security cameras. There are outdoor cameras, indoor cameras. But if a burglar sees there's a dirty great big camera aimed at the front door or looking looking out the, from the side of the property down, down the driveway or something like that, they've got an eye out. They don't want to be seen. If they see a security camera, they're moving on to the next place because they know anyone with a security camera can detect movement. And they can detect it immediately. They'll be getting notifications on their smartphones. They could be ringing the police within 30 seconds. So I don't think a burglar is going to take that kind of chance if they can see that a home has these outdoor, outside security cameras. Hence the reason why Nest took part in this study. I think it's a great way to illustrate the fact that uh, if you do have an outdoor camera, a security camera of some description, and not necessarily from Nest, there are other companies that make security cameras, uh, that is going to greatly reduce your chances of being burgled. Now, that, that's what we all want. We don't want people robbing us because not only is there a loss of property, but there's also an emotional effect as well because people feel violated. There's been some strangers in their house has stolen their property. And for a lot of people, that's a, that's a really hard thing to get over. So there's the emotional downside of that as well, the emotional effects of burglary too. One way around it, of course, is to increase the security of your homes. And to do that, you can uh, by installing outdoor security cameras, you certainly are doing that. But really interesting stats, really eye-opening stats for anyone who's considering home security cameras. Well, I hope these stats have convinced you that that's the way you should be going. You're listening to Tech Guide. If you want to read more about that story, you'll find it at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. 
The Tech Guy podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. There's lots of valuable stuff that's stored on our computers and our devices. You think about it. Things like family photos, videos, tax and work documents, all these are on our computers. But what would you do if all of a sudden they were gone or they were encrypted and impossible to open? Well, what I've just described is a thing called ransomware. That's a malware that locks you out of your own files, then demands that you pay up or lose access to them forever. Unfortunately, ransomware is on the rise here in Australia. In fact, here, Australia is now the most targeted country for ransomware attacks in the Southern Hemisphere. Nort Security Premium is a powerful internet security solution that can help keep you safe from ransomware by blocking dangerous files, warning you against dodgy links before you click, and backing up files from your PC to the cloud so you'll have a copy of everything if anything goes wrong. To learn more about how to protect your online life visit au.norton.com tech guide now a tech guide review with stephen fennick well our first couple of reviews are, are apple products and we're going to be talking about the iphone 8 and 8 plus as well as the apple watch series 3 in the next review but we're going to kick off uh, the reviews the first review is going to be the iphone 8 and the iPhone 8 Plus. Now, these have been out for about a week and a half, two weeks now, and they look a lot like the iPhone 7. In fact, the iPhone 7 cases uh, will fit on this precisely. So they are, in terms of looks and shape, they are precisely like the iPhone 7 and a little bit like the 6 and the 6S. So this is four years where Apple has given us virtually the same design. But... There is a slight change on the the look and feel of the product too in terms of the materials used. In this case, Apple has gone for an all-glass design. So the back of the phone is made of all glass, slight tweak on the, uh, on the metallic ring around the phone as well. But in general, looks just like the iPhone 7, except with a different all-glass look and feel. So in your hand, it actually does feel a little different to the more metallic iPhone 7. With the glass, that allows for not only a new look, but also for one of the new features. It enables one of the new features, which is wireless charging. But having said all that, though, I think this is still one of the best phones on the market. And Apple have really lifted their game here and improved this across the board. We're talking better camera, faster processor, throw in wireless charging, and you've also got access to some amazing augmented reality apps as well. But in terms of look and feel, this does feel a bit different in your hand, a bit more solid. It does Typically, Apple's high build quality is right there for you to see. So it's a beautiful phone, and but just has... It might not have seen many changes on the outside, but on the inside, there is plenty that's been updated. Uh, the design we've already talked about, that glass back, uh, does does give it a, a kind of a fresh look. It's available in uh, black, space grey uh, and gold. So space grey, sorry, silver and gold. And uh, does give it a, a, bit of a, a bit of a different feel. Like in your hands, it does feel a little bit different. That smooth glass surface feels good in your hand. It, uh, it does give it a feel, different feel to the previous models. But uh, again, brilliant build quality. And uh, the, the improvements, though, are, are what, we, what, what we can see on the inside. And that's starting with the display. The, the display, same size display. You've got your, your 4.7 for the 8, 5.5 for the 8 Plus. 
But what they've changed here is the technology. They've got, they're using what they call True Tone technology. Now, this is where there's an ambient light sensor so that it can adjust the white balance of the screen in real time to match the lighting conditions around you. So what you're seeing is the true color, the true tone of what you're looking at. So if you're looking at this phone in a bright light, for example, uh, it will adjust so that the screen's not washed out. If you compare an iPhone 7 next to an iPhone 8 and look at a, a mainly white web page, you'll notice that the iPhone 7 will just blast out the white no matter what the lighting conditions are. And if you're in a bright environment, it's just going to look all washed out. But the iPhone 8 can intelligently see the light around it and adjust the screen so that it is it, the colors on the screen stay true rather than being changed by those lighting conditions because light can change color. If you're in bright sunlight or in the dark or whatever lighting conditions you happen to be, it can change that color. So that is a noticeable difference with the iPhone 8 and its true tone technology. Now, I think one of the biggest changes and one of the best features of the iPhone, especially the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 8 Plus, is the camera. Now, we mentioned earlier the Pixel 2 voted the best camera in the world by DxO. Mark, yes, that's a prestigious honour, but photography is a very subjective thing. I think it's pretty hard to judge, to, to, to set up a scale of, of what makes a good photo and what you consider to be a good photo. I might not consider to be a good photo. So in, in my eyes, I think the iPhone 8 camera and iPhone 8 Plus especially, the iPhone 8 Plus is better. It's got two lenses. Uh, these, I, I don't think I've used a better camera on a smartphone. And uh, they take brilliant photos. We're talking, there's a larger, faster sensor on board here. Optical image stabilization for both lenses on the iPhone 8 Plus. New color filter, deeper pixels. So the colors have actually found a new level of brilliance. They're really, really natural, really bright and sharp. And one thing I really like, though, especially when you're talking about the iPhone 8 Plus with its two lenses, is portrait mode. Now, this is where the two lenses work in conjunction to give you an, a fast, uh, a, a focused subject in the foreground and a beautifully blur, blurred background. The photos on my reviews are actually of my two Dalmatians, a photo of Ziggy, a photo of Logan. And you can see just how brilliantly sharp they are in the foreground, but the background is just tastefully blurred. It really makes the subject just pop out of that photograph. It looks brilliant. And not only the quality, can you see the quality there, the sharpness of the photograph and the natural colors are simply remarkable. The new Apple uh, chip really contributes to the A11 Bionic chip, which we'll talk about at length in a moment, but that does play a big part in terms of dealing with people and motion and lighting in your photographs. And it also helps Apple's, uh, the iPhone capture 4K video at up to 60 frames per second as well. But the dual lens cameras in the iPhone 8 Plus uh, provide a portrait mode, but they've also got another feature called portrait lighting. It's still in beta mode, but the portrait lighting lets you change. You, so you could take advantage of the, the depth of field and the face mapping, face landmarking, they call it the depth mapping, so they can show up different shadows and effects on your portrait subject. So you can change the lighting conditions, can absolutely change the photograph. Gives it a whole new effect. So you can choose from studio lighting, natural light, contour light, stage light, or even stage light mono. So plenty of choices there 
to uh, make your subject look a little different depending on the lighting as you change it. But uh, in terms of your, your photographs, the colours are amazing, really sharp, really bright, so much detail. Also excellent results in low light. Low light photography, one of the strengths of the iPhone. Moving on to the processor, we did mention the A11 Bionic chip. Now, here's a bit of silicon that is intelligent and also efficient. It works, I think, with the new iOS 11. So these these form a, a quite a duo where you've got this brilliant processor working with this super efficient operating system. So the result of that is that you're going to get longer battery life because it works so efficiently. It can actually do more while using less power. And in some areas, you're getting up to 70% improvement in performance. So you, you can notice it. If you're upgrading to from an iPhone 6 or a 6S, even from a 7, you'll notice a, a, an improvement in performance. I don't think many people are going to abandon the 7 for the 8, but there will be a lot of people who are looking at this from a 6 or a 6S. And the, it'll be, as I said in my story, it'll be like stepping out of a Mercedes-Benz, which is a decent car, and stepping into a Ferrari, which is a rocket. That's that's the sort of improvement that they can they can expect. Wireless charging, as we mentioned, the first time Apple has offered wireless charging. Not a new feature by any means. Uh, it's been around for quite a while. Good news is, though, is that Apple has decided to join in and adopt the universal Qi wireless standard. That's uh, spelt Q-I. The Qi standard. I'm really happy that they've adopted the standard rather than creating their own. They, they, they have a habit of creating their own uh, way of doing things. Uh, lightning, lightning cord, anyone? Uh, they're the only company with that kind of technology. But in this instance, I'm really happy that they've decided to adopt the universal standard. And so what that means, it's going to have an effect on the number of places we go where there will be wireless charging products. So expect them to pop up in cafes, restaurants, airports, shopping centers, you name it. Now that Apple's involved with wireless charging, it's really going to ramp up the availability of wireless charging stations wherever we happen to go. And wireless charging actually works just as fast as if you you can still, of course, connect your cable, lightning cable. Uh, but you can, uh, it, it'll still charge it just as fast whether you choose wireless charging or the, uh, the cable charging. On the battery side, I did mention that, mention that efficiency that the uh, A11 chip and our iOS 11 generates. And the battery, I've used a lot of iPhones over the years. This is easily the best battery on an iPhone that I've ever used. I get a day and a half on a single charge, and that's using this full-time, flogging the phone in terms of my emails, usage. I was on it all day. It went a day and a half with ease. So that's a big, another big tick for the iPhone 8. Pricing-wise, iPhone 8 is at 1079 for the 64 gig, 1329 for the 256 gig, and the iPhone 8 Plus, 1229 for the 64 gig, 1479 for the 256 gig. iPhone 8 and iPhone 8 Plus, yes, I know there's an iPhone 10 coming out in a few weeks. Not everyone's going to be able to afford that phone. Not everyone's going to want that phone. So in terms of offering, the iPhone 8 is still one of the best smartphones money can buy in our opinion. So if you're not going to the iPhone 10, this is still a bloody good phone. So... Yes, a lot of people are going to opt for the 10, but I think this is quite a device that can hold it, that hold its own against all the other devices in its category. You want to read that full review and look at our pictures? You can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. 
Moving along to another Apple product, and this is the Apple Watch Series 3. Now, this is the new Apple Watch. Again, doesn't look any different from the outside, but on the inside, we've got an eSIM. This has got cellular connectivity, so that means it can work without your iPhone. It uses a feature, the eSIM allows customers to replicate their phone number from their iPhone. Now, in Australia, if you're a Telstra customer, Telstra postpaid customer, or an Optus customer, you can you can now access their what they're calling their one number feature, their one number service that will replicate your iPhone's number onto the eSIM in the Apple Watch Series 3. The eSIM is a tenth the size of an actual SIM card, even a nano SIM. It's way smaller than that which is the reason why they can fit it in a product that's so small. With Apple Watch Series 3, the antenna is actually built just below the screen, so the display is the antenna. How smart is that? It also has room to fit in a W2 wireless chip for faster Wi-Fi and Bluetooth performance, as well as a faster dual-core processor, and all built into the same form factor. The only difference in the shape of the Apple Watch is that the... The circular charging base on the on the bottom of the phone extends further by the thickness of two sheets of paper. So I think like half a millimeter is the only difference in thickness in that area. But in terms of the just looking at the watch, you will probably will not tell the difference. So that that's the only physical change. But the eSIM being able to connect to your have your number with you, even though your iPhone isn't. That's the game changer here. We tested this several times. There was one time we went down the beach for a walk with our dogs, and I left my phone at home on purpose. And as soon as I got out of range of the phone, I noticed that there was some signal bars appearing on the face of the phone. So I told him my signal strength. And I even made a call. So call was clear and crisp and didn't even have to hold the phone up to my mouth. Like like uh, I was in quite a noisy environment down the beach there, but I still could hear the call quite clearly with the with the uh, my hand down by my side. And I could also be heard quite clearly. So imagine in a quieter environment, that's going to be crystal clear. Even in a shopping center or down the beach, I was still able to hear the other person quite clearly. And then they could also hear me through the onboard speaker. So fantastic feature. And you're also, of course, going to get your messages. You can also have your apps update themselves. And pretty soon you'll also be able to stream music through Apple Music. So more than 40 million songs you can stream through the Apple Watch. And of course, being with Bluetooth on board, you can connect your wireless earphones. If you've got AirPods, they'll connect even easier to the Apple Watch. So you've got your music right there with you. There's already built-in GPS. That was with Series 2 as well. So uh, that that is in, in addition to the eSIM. Uh, in fact, how they identify the watches now is the Series 3. It is GPS plus cellular. If there's no cellular, it's just going to be called GPS. And the the other easy way to distinguish whether you've got a cellular model is with the red dot on the side of the digital crown. So if you see Apple Watches with that red dot on the side, you know that's an Apple Watch Series 3 with cellular on board. Now, this eSIM is handy if you're in your country of origin. Now, if you buy your phone in Australia, you'll be able to use the Apple Watch cellular feature in Australia. Even if you're roaming on that number, Telstra and Optus got it now, Vodafone later in the year. Even if you're, you've got your own, you're roaming on your own number, the Apple Watch won't roam. That won't do it for now. I think it's a, 
the it's not like the iPhone, which has got enough room to fit every radio that needs to be packed in there. Apple Watch Series Three is is built for different regions, so it has different LTE UMTS network radios on board. So, for example, the one you can buy in Australia is the same bands as they use in France, Germany, Japan, uh, and Switzerland, and the UK. Uh, but if you were to buy a phone in the US, for example, and bring it to Australia, it wouldn't work because the bands, our phone bands, are not compatible. So anyone who's thinking of going to the States and picking up a cheap watch because the uh, the dollar's doing really well, think again, the watch won't work here. And, and as I said before, if you are using an Australian Apple Watch with a Telstra Optus number, so it'll work in Australia, if you roam with that number, then the Apple Watch won't roam with it because of the limited band connectivity there. So uh, maybe may fixed up down the track, may maybe the next model that can fix that, you might be able to roam, uh, they might fit, for somehow they fit more rap radios and, and bands in the Apple Watch. Uh, at the moment, that's not the case. Another thing that should be noted as well is that uh, business and prepaid customers cannot take advantage of the cellular capabilities of the Apple Watch Series 3 as well. That's for the time being. We imagine that this is going to change. So if you're a business that wants to deploy Apple Watch Series 3s to your workers so they can be connected through the watch, that's not quite going to happen right now. But we suspect uh, uh, down the track that's going to be all that's going to be changed and allow you to to uh, connect those business accounts as well. Uh, it, it really it felt liberating having uh, not having to carry the phone, but still having that connectivity. The only thing I missed, and I said this in the story, the only thing I missed while not having my phone is the camera. I'm thinking, how am I going to take a photo now if I see something interesting? I could get my calls and can receive my messages and make them calls and send messages, but if I want to take a photo, what do I do now? So that's kind of the only thing I missed while not having my phone. Maybe the next Apple Watch uh, Series 4 might include a camera. Who knows? But uh, at the at the moment, as it stands, this is a, a huge improvement, I think. And what, are, what else improves it is the new Watch OS 4, which is available for older Apple Watches as well. Really improves it as a fitness device. Adds some new watch faces as well. So uh, you win-win across those as well. Uh, the, the new workout apps as well allows you to track a wider range of activities. You can do multiple workout types in a single session. So say you're in the gym and you may be on the treadmill, then you jump into some weights and then you jump on uh, to do some other on the rowing machine. You can combine all those workouts, all those activities in a single workout. So you're getting credit for all of them rather than having to stop that workout, start a new one. It just makes it, it, makes it a hell of a lot easier. Pricing, uh, you're looking at $559 from $559 for the GPS Plus cellular and from $459 for the non-cellular version. We really like this. The Apple Watch Series 3, uh, having that eSIM edition, that connectivity, I, as we said, I think it's a real game changer. It's, it's going to sort of tip this device into one of those must-have products, I think. Now, for those who want to stay connected but don't want to have a watch or their phone with them when they're running or just running an errand or just going out, but they can still get their calls, I think that's going to really – those customers that might have been on the fence before, I think they're going to find that this is really going to maybe turn it around and make them want to buy it. The Apple Watch Series 3, you want to read our complete review, you can do that. It's at techguide.com.au. Our next review is a – well, it, I don't want to call it a toy because it's a lot more than that. It's the Cosmo. It's from a company called Anki, and this is a, a real-life robot. 
It is in the shape of a little bulldozer, but it's an intelligent, loyal little companion that is really smart, allows you to play games with it. It'll recognize you and, and say your name when it sees you as well. It's a small, looks like a little bulldozer. It's got little treads. Uh, it's got a small set of arms that can pick up and roll and carry these three included smart blocks that come with the device. Uh, the eyes are sort of made up on, on a little display at the front. The eyes move around and blink and it can be amazingly expressive. Uh, it also obviously makes a fair bit of noise and can also talk. So uh, really cute when it, when it's moving around, when it's happy to see you. It's uh, it's like a little robot puppy dog, I've called it, because you can teach it tricks. It's always ready to play, uh, but the, the difference is Cosmo can talk. It can recognize, even recognize you when it sees you as well, as I mentioned. It also says, says your name. It's really cute. It looks up at me and says, Stephen. But uh, it can also recognize other people as well. It can also recognize your pets. It's really funny when it sees your dog or your cat. Uh, has some funny responses as well. But there's a companion app that goes with it so that you can do a number of activities. You can play games. You can teach it tricks. You can There's three, three or four different parts of it. So you can feed it. You can tune it up. Or, or you can uh, train it as well. But it allows you to you, know, you play with it, feed it, tune it up. And, and in the discovery section, you can train it to do new things. You can talk to it. You can also uh, say it, te- type in things for it to say. There's a that was a one of our favourite sections where you type in these phrases and it, and it repeats them back to you. And if you're a parent or giving this to a child, don't worry. Uh, the inventors have taught Cosmo some manners. So if you think you're going to type in swear words and get Cosmo to swear for a laugh, it, it's not going to do that. In fact, it. It'll when you try to do that, it'll sort of act like oh, hang on, it acts a little bit shy, and then sort of shakes its body like it's saying no, saying no, I can't say that, I'm not going to say that. So uh, that that's a really interesting part of what it can and can't say. So it is smart enough for it not to say any naughty words or drop any f bombs. But uh, the the Cosmo, I think uh, part of, part of the attraction of this is that it's it can be quite spontaneous sometimes. I like the fact that when you wake it up, it sort of pretends to stretch and then it wants to play, it bugs you trying to play and then just bursts into song sometimes. Earlier it was playing, it was singing Yankee Doodle Dandy. The the smart blocks that come with it are also ways for it to train, ways for it to feed. Uh, you can do tricks and play games with it as well. So memory games, games of skill, things like that. But the more you interact with it, the more it gets to know you and the more skills and surprises that you unlock. What I like about this device, apart from it being really intelligent, is the fact that it's always going to be improving. Like through the app, there's going to be updates uh, and new skills unlocked, new activities and behaviors it's going to unlock. So a fun toy all around. Not a toy, it's a companion, this little thing. It fits in the palm of your hand, so it's not massive. Now, it's not cheap. It's $320. So uh, not many toys on the market that are, that are that price for a start, but also not many toys on the market that are that intelligent, that emotional, and that remarkable. I think this is, it's not fair to call it a toy. It's like buying a little friend. The Cosmo by Anki, available now, priced at 320 bucks. If you want to read our review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. 
You already know Arlo by Netgear, the worldwide leader in smart home security and the creator of the world's first 100% wire-free, weatherproof HD security camera. We were just talking about security cameras earlier. Now you can get to know the new Arlo Pro with even more features, including two-way audio that allows you to talk to your kids, your pets, or whoever's at the front door right from your smartphone. Arlo has a quick charge, rechargeable batteries, night vision, and live on-demand streaming. And yes, it's still 100% wire-free and weatherproof, so you can easily monitor your entire property inside and out. Arlo Pro takes just a few minutes to set up, so you can check in on your home or your business from anywhere using the free Arlo app on your phone, tablet, or computer. Know what's happening in real time with advanced motion detection, and never miss a moment with free cloud recordings for seven days. Visit arlo.com forward slash au for more info. Arlo and the new Arlo Pro by Netgear. Every angle covered. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Okay, the Tech Guide Help Desk this week. We thought we'd run through some hidden features of iOS 11. Now, that was recently released for the iPhone and iPad. And yeah, there are a lot of features that we did speak about, the top-line features, but we're going to run through a few really quickly now that are hidden features that you may not have discovered, which include... The QR code scanner, it's actually now part of the camera. You see a QR code, open up the camera, it'll recognize the QR code and then give you a little notification, a link to open that in the Safari browser. You can also handwrite your emails. We saw this feature in iOS 10 with messages, but now you can do it with mail. So double tap the screen, scroll across until you see the words insert drawing, and now you can actually write what you want to say rather than typing it. There's also AirPod control. So if you're an AirPod owner, you know those wireless earbuds that uh, that Apple are selling? Very hard to get hold of. They're always selling out. If you own a pair of Apple AirPods and, you'll ha- and you've got iOS 11, in the Bluetooth settings, when you're connected to your AirPods, you'll see there's now an option to set different commands for each of the AirPods. So, for example, a double tap on the left makes, makes a play and pause. Double tap on the right might bring up Siri. So it allows you to take control of what your left and right AirPods can do. Ever run out of space on your iPhone? Well, now there's a feature that makes it easy to offload unused apps. So if you're running low on space on either the iPhone or the iPad, there's a new feature that says offload unused apps. It even tells you how much space you're going to save. So these are apps that you haven't used for quite a while. So it's not going to dump Instagram or Facebook or anything. It's these apps that you've probably downloaded, used once and never opened again. They're gone with off- offloading the unused apps and you're going to save a ton of space. Another feature is hiding message alerts. Isn't it annoying when you're in a group message and everyone's replying and you're getting all these these, these notifications and, and noises, the notification sounds? Well, there is a way for you to hide those alerts. So slide to the left, you'll see a, a command called hide alerts. So you won't be hearing the constant updatings of all the different messages. If you want to put, if you want to reinstate the alerts, just slide, slide it back again and hit show alerts. It's also easier to set up a new device. So if you've got a new phone or a new iPad and moving your stuff across it can actually take a bit of work. Well, now with iOS 11, it's really easy. So once you have your new phone or iPad on, hold it close to your existing iOS device or a Mac, and you'll see a little pattern appear. Then on the new device, you'll see the uh, a camera open up, and all you need to do is to position that pattern on the new device 
and it will then transfer all your settings and all your iCloud passwords. That is a really handy feature. There's also now a document scanner as part of the Notes app. So you can already add notes and sketches. Well, now you can scan documents. So say you've got some receipts or a document that you want to store. You press the plus button. You see the options. You can add a photo, uh, take a photo. Now there's another option that says scan documents. And when you've scanned a document successfully, you'll see a yellow square appear around it so that that information can be saved into your note there's also a new way to shut down the iphone traditionally you had to press and hold the side button and that will bring up the slide to shut down feature the slide to power off command well now there's actually a menu item where if you go to general and then scroll all the way to the bottom you can see shut down so you can actually manually shut it down without having to press any buttons this is handy if your buttons playing up you know a lot of people who their home lock button is playing up and people are saying well how the hell do i turn it back on again simple you can just connect the charging cable and that'll turn it on for you as well they are some of the hidden features of ios 11 if you want to read the rest of them you can check them all out at techguide.com.au And that there is the end of our show for this week. You can read about everything that we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, you can do that in a number of ways. Email us, info at techguide.com.au. We also are trying a new way of interaction. This is using a, a, an app that I helped co-create. It's called VoiceBite. Free on iOS, free on Android. If you want to ask me a tech question, if you want to maybe give me your own 15-second review of a product you've just bought, you've got something to say, I'd love to hear from you. So download VoiceBite, a free app for iOS and Android, and then you can use the, either the hashtag AskSteven, hashtag TechGuide, or hashtag TechGuideReview. Write that in the clip title, record your content, slide to broadcast, and you could be on the next Tech Guide podcast. Your voice will be heard on the Tech Guide podcast if you download VoiceBite and do that for us. Special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also a shout-out to Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, as we always say, stay safe and stay connected. 